Welcome into the Backcourt Podcast here on a Wednesday afternoon. We're going to be chatting about some of the best movie scenes of the year, along with some of our uh, Oscar predictions for the year. Uh, so Avi's coming on today, so it's going to be me and Avi, and we're just going to be chatting a lot of movies. I'm pretty excited for this one. Thank you all for listening, and let's get into it. Welcome in, Avi. How we doing, man? Doing good. How are you? Doing good. We're going to be going over some of our best movie scenes of 2023, along with some early Oscar predictions. I'm pretty pumped. I uh, I personally thought it was a really good year in film. I watched probably more movies than I've ever watched in a single year. And I think there were some really big standouts and performances this year. Some really great movies. What do you think about 2023 as a whole? Yeah, so um, this for me, it's probably like you said, the most I've ever watched movies in a year. I probably watched like 30 from this year alone, not in counting just like older movies that I watched this year too. Yeah. And then it's been a really good year for movies, like really just strong contenders. Like the past couple years, like there's been a couple standouts like Babylon. But nothing, oh, yeah. nothing as deep as really this year was for movies. Yeah, I would agree. It was kind of the pandem- pandemic came up in 2020, and it seemed to kind of slow like the making of movies. And I think we're definitely out of that, at least this year. Uh, I'm guessing maybe some of these movies had to deal with COVID precautions that were recorded a couple years ago, but for the most part, probably out of that so it's easier to film and yeah i thought there were some really great movies this year i have three movies that i absolutely loved and i think i can say this no spoiler it was the holdovers the iron claw and oppenheimer were on a tier of their own in my opinion but all five-star movies but even even my other top 10 15 movies of the year were really solid as well so yeah i'm excited to get into it and i'm thinking we do we just go back and forth, like do our 10th movie. Yeah. And then you go and we'll just keep switching each okay. spot. Okay. Um, so if we have like the same scene or whatever, do you want to talk about it? Like whenever, whoever says it first or. Mm. That's a good point. I feel like that's kind of probably just easiest maybe. Yeah, we could do that. So yeah. we'll, we'll go like back and forth, but if one of them gets mentioned, we'll bring it up as well. Oh. So, you you start because I'm still I have my ten. I'm right. trying to sort them out a little bit here though. Um, so for my tenth best movie scene of the year or favorite movie scene of the year, I had a scene from Maestro, um, the movie with Bradley Cooper and Carrie Mulligan. It's when Bradley Cooper's character Leonard Bernstein first meets um, Felicia, who's played by Carrie Mulligan, 
And so they're at this little party and um, he's the piano player for this little musical thing. And then they're just kind of flirting and talking outside. And I just thought it was a really sweet scene. Yeah, that's interesting because. So I had a scene from Maestro. I won't spoil it yet. It's going to be a little bit more down the list. But it wasn't that. It wasn't that scene. It's very interesting. You went with more of the um, how they met scene. And yeah, what, what do you think about that movie as a whole? I thought it was, I liked it a lot, but there was just something that didn't really connect with me. Like I gave it four stars on Letterboxd. Bradley Cooper and Carrie Mulligan were both great in it. And it looked, I liked the way it looked too and the music and all that, but just something like emotionally, I guess, didn't really connect for me. Um, so that's kind of why I picked that scene. Actually, that's kind of my favorite like emotional moment of the movie, really. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely, I would definitely agree with that. Um, I thought that, Personally, it didn't totally work for me. I kind of felt like it went too biopicy on it, and it was too like just telling the guy's story. And I was, I never like. I, sometimes I can't explain how movies do this, but it will like emotionally grab me and invest me with whether it's like the camera angles or just the script or the great acting. But <laughs> yeah, I, I I had a couple parts of this movie I love, but as a whole, it didn't really work for me either. But let me get to my number ten. And my number 10 is probably out of my list, kind of like the biggest scene with like the most people involved. And that's the ice battle in Napoleon. Okay. And so this is the scene where essentially Napoleon played by Joaquin Phoenix. They're in a, I can't remember where they were, but it was a very icy area. I think it was Austerlitz, I think. Yeah, it, it was somewhere in like Eastern Asia or not Asia, Eastern Europe, right? Yeah. And yeah, so basically it was very cold. There was a whole pond they were over. And it was kind of this sneak attack they played. I don't want to spoil too much of it, but the way it was filmed is really beautiful. I thought it was very interesting, the tactics they used in this uh, this battle. I just loved it overall. I thought it looked great. And personally, I really liked Napoleon. I know a lot of people didn't totally vibe with it, but... I shout out to Ridley Scott. He's 86, and I thought made one of my favorite movies of the year. Yeah, so this scene didn't make my list, but it was in honorable mentions. And Napoleon, I thought about including a scene from, I don't have a scene from Napoleon on my list, but it was either going to, if I did include one, it would be that scene or the scene where they're like at the dinner table and Joaquin Phoenix is like, destiny has brought me this lamb chop or whatever, just something funny. I just thought that stuff well, was so funny. So, so my thing, I thought a lot of people missed it in Napoleon. What I loved it so much is there was so much comedy in it too. Yeah, it was, it's a, I, I didn't think it was going to be that funny. It was, I was, it was hilarious. I felt like it was very funny and some of like the sex scenes they have in it are actually <laughs> extremely funny. But yeah, I would I would watch it. Some people complained it was too long, but I, I vibed with it for sure. But what's your what's your number nine? My number nine is a scene from the holdovers. Um so Paul Giamatti's character, I forget his name, the teacher the actual teacher's name, but he's he's chase he's chasing um Angus Tully like throughout the school. Yeah. And Angus uh goes into the gym and then he breaks his arm and then I also kind of smuggled in the hospital part when they're driving to the hospital. And yes. he's like, of course it's your fault. <laughs> it was it, it was a very good scene. And he's like, don't don't go into the gym because basically the gym is off limits during winter break. And he does. He hurts himself, of course. 
And yeah, that was definitely a great scene. Yeah. So at number nine, I also have a scene from the holdovers. And this is this was probably the hardest movie for me to do because there wasn't one scene that really stuck out to me. I just loved it as a whole. But I'm going to go with it's, it's kind of cliche. But when they said bye to each other, I thought that was probably my favorite scene. I wish that went in for the hug, but the, the shake did it for me. It was all right. And Paul Giamatti started to tear up. And I thought it was just a very emotional, good way to end the story. So, yeah, I also had the holdovers on my list. Favorite movie of the year. Yeah, so Holdovers is very high up there for me in movies this year. But like you said, I kind of had a problem just like choosing a scene from there because I feel like as a whole, it's definitely great. But like picking an individual scene out of it was kind of difficult for me. You know what I'm going to do real quick? So I was I was looking at my list and I'm like, I don't have the Holdovers on here. So I'm going to cheat a little bit. I'm going to do 11 scenes. Okay, I'm going to have the goodbye and the Holdovers tied with the uh martin scorsese scene and killers of the flower moon where he tells the story <laughs> of what happened as a kind of like radio broadcast i thought it was very interesting the way they did that and also kind of uh reminded me of how they did like astro asteroid asteroid city this summer as well so i thought it was really good yeah i also had that part of my list um yeah, I'll probably I'll probably just talk about it a bit more later when we get down. Okay, that works. Um, my number eight scene is from Barbie, and it's the "I'm Just Ken" sequence. Oh, uh, that's a that's a good one for sure. <laughs> I thought about having it in here. That's probably one of my honorable mentions. It was one of the like funnest scenes of the year, in my opinion. Yeah, it felt it felt so big in the moment, like watching it in the theater. Just kind of the way everything was shot, the dance sequences. And then the song is obviously going to be, I assume, nominated for up for best song or whatever. Yeah. Kind of took over the culture, really. Yeah, for sure. That was a great one. I definitely consider it as an honorable mention, but don't have any Barbie in here. At number eight, did you ever see Bo's Afraid? I did not. Yeah, it, a weird movie. <laughs> I, I, th- I think I liked it, but I'm not really sure. But anyways, any Ari Oster movie you watch, the ending scene is always primed to be great. And I thought it was as well in this scene. It is Joaquin Phoenix in a boat. Don't want to spoil too much of it, but it's kind of going through some of his wrongs that he's went through in his life. And he's kind of on trial for his life. So I guess I did spoil a little bit of it, but it's okay. (laughs) It's been out long enough. And it was very rewatching it today it was very funny at points because like it was kind of showing how joaquin uh is self-critical of himself for even like the smallest things like hiding from his mom at the uh mall when she's trying to find him they had that as one of his things he was guilty about and it's it's hard to explain if you haven't seen the film but i just loved how it ended it was very dark but also layers of comedy in it as well all right, my number seven, I think. Hold on, sorry. Yeah, number, my number seven is from Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. Um, okay. Did you, did you see this movie, Jackson? Yes, I did. So this was the first Mission Impossible I saw, and I, I loved it. 
Um, it's not gonna be up for like best picture or anything like that, but it's still just the. I thought it was a fun time in theater. So the scene from that movie I took was the airport scene at the near the beginning, where Haley Atwell is a pit po- pickpocket, um, and pickpockets Tom Cruise, and he's like chasing her throughout the airport while also being followed by um, I forget the agency, but whatever the agency is called, mm-hmm. and. It's really just a lot of kind of high profile, high intensity action sequence, really. And then you also have um, Vic Rames um, and someone else, I forget who, they're like breaking, trying to break a code so they can uh, defuse a bomb, really. So just a lot going on in that scene. I just thought it was a great scene and a great way to start the movie. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I thought that movie was very good as well. I'm not like a big mission uh, mission Poss- mission impossible fan but i thought it was actually really good and tom cruise always has kind of a presence in his movies okay i'm so messed up on my list right now i'm very unorganized today but we're on what number seven yep okay let me go ahead oh okay 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 number seven it's going to go to, yes, it's going to go to the uh, the first scene in The Killer by David Fincher. It is the first assassination attempt of the movie. And the way they just jump into the story, I thought was brilliant. It engaged me right off the back to so the narration choices and also the very cool filming aspects of this scene. They have a lot of stuff where they have like, his eye going through the scope and showing the building across like his main target he's trying to kill. And I just thought that was a brilliant scene and a great way to start off the movie. Yeah, that's definitely, it didn't, nothing from the killer made my list, but um, I thought I was thinking about it for last night. Cause I just thought it was a good movie and lots of, lots of scenes in there. I really liked. Yeah, definitely. Okay. What's your number? Are we on number seven for you? Uh, number six, six for me. Okay. What's your six? My number six is from Past Lives, which I recently saw the other day, and it's the ending of Past yep. Lives. Yeah, that's that's going to be a common one on any list you look at. And I also have it, but let's keep doing what we're doing. I'll talk about it later. W- what did you love about this scene? So I, so I watched the movie once, but I actually watched the ending twice just because I loved it so much. Mm-hmm. So the first time I watched it... Um, you know, you don't really know what's going to happen. You don't know if they're going to get back together or if he's actually going to go leave. And he ends up leaving. Spoiler, sorry, but he ends up leaving. Yeah, it's been out long enough. <laughs> what, what were you What were you rooting for? Because that's an interesting question. That I, I was be... rooting, I was rooting for them to get back together, but damn, their husband, her husband, was not like in a lot of movies. That husband is like a he's like a douchebag type guy. He's like a yeah. But he's in this in this movie. He's actually he's a good husband. He's just you know those two people had a connection and she had to work it out really. But um in the ending, he's like, what if this is a past life and or something more in the next life? And I just kind of how liked how that tied everything up. And then the second time I watched it, I noticed that when she's walking him to his Uber, it's all just like one camera, just all moving along, and it's just kind of a cool shot really. So I liked it a lot. Yeah, it's kind of the emotions of saying goodbye to someone that you she probably won't see him again for at least a very long time, if never again, maybe. So 
I love that pick. And spoiler alert, I'll be getting into that later. <laughs> Number six for me. I have a scene from the Maestro in Comedy Basic, but it's the conducting scene. And I thought this scene was absolutely epic, absolutely amazing. Bradley Cooper really went for it, twirling those sticks up there. I don't know anything about conducting, but man, he was great. The music was beautiful as well. I believe there was hundreds, maybe thousands of people there. And I was, I've was i been listening to some interviews about it, how they did it. And it was just a lot of logistics to get everyone in that building and mm-hmm. going. And it was some of like the best musicians in the world and stuff like that. And it was very, very enjoyable. Definitely my highlight of Maestro. Yeah, that was my that that's my second favorite scene from the movie. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. When you said Maestro, I thought you were gonna pick that one, so I was a little surprised. Yeah. That's yeah. that's probably the one most people would pick, and I don't have a problem with that. It's definitely just a work of art, really. Yeah, for sure. My number five is from Across the Spider Verse, my favorite animated movie of the year, and it's the chase scene um, at the climax of the movie, um, where Spider Man twenty nine is chasing. 2099 is chasing Miles Morales and um, Miles ends up escaping and going back to what he thought was his own universe, really. Is, just, is that is that the whole, like, ladder thing? Yeah, yeah. The whole, like, like tunnel? Well, I don't know how to describe it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and he's like, I'm gonna do my own thing. So that was, like, really the climax of the movie for me and the really high point. I I like Into the Spider-Verse better than Across the Spider-Verse, but for that moment, that mo- that moment might be better than any moment into the Spider-Verse for me, besides the Leap of Faith scene. So I really just thought it was great. Yeah, I think uh, I didn't totally vibe with the movie. I thought it was good. I just didn't like that it was a part one because I wanted it to conclude better. But mm-hmm. I definitely loved that scene, and I did consider it in this list. So number five for me is from the movie Air, where Matt Damon or Sony Vaccaro gives the Michael Jordan future speech is how I listed it. And it's basically when they're at the Nike studio and they're showing all these highlights of Michael Jordan. And it's this really like hip video. And you can see Michael Jordan's not really into it. He's seen this from every other group he's went to. And Sony Vaccaro gives an amazing speech telling him what he's going to do in his career. Obviously, this probably wasn't true because (laughs) he's like, you're going to win six NBA titles and predicting the whole. You've seen air, right? I haven't seen Air now. I saw oh, it. man. Uh, <laughs> you got to watch it. It's really good. It's like one of the most likable movies of the year. I feel like it's not like I, don't, I haven't heard anyone say like, oh, I hate Air. But yeah, the speech is very emotional. The music in the background is awesome. And Matt Damon, the GOAT. The GOAT. <laughs> yeah, I definitely need to check that out. So I've been meaning to. I just kind of got lost and shuffled behind some other movies. I wanted to get out the way first. Yeah. All right, what's what's your number four? My number four is from a movie recently released that I loved um, from the director of Heat, Michael Mann's Ferrari. <laughs> okay, okay. And so for me, the standout scene was the scene right before the big race at the end, and they're all meeting at like a lunch or a dinner with the Ferraris. Oh, that's cars. a great one. That's a great one. He's like, yeah. he's giving them, he's really calling them out for not doing what it takes to win. And he's like, you got, you get into my one of my race cars, you get in to win. And Adam Driver in that scene is just really captivating and really just a great performance from him as an actor. 
he was awesome in that movie and i really enjoyed ferrari it was my 10th favorite movie of the year i thought it was amazing um what's what's your thoughts on uh what's her name penelope not her the other one shailene woodley yeah what's your thoughts on her performance (laughs) i don't think it was really be honest i don't think it was i don't think it was really strong but I can tell if that was because of her or because of just the way the characters and I just I just couldn't buy her accent. That was the biggest thing. Oh uh, yeah. She she the accent I noticed like a couple of the scenes, like she really didn't try at all anymore. Yeah. Which is like whatever. I'm not really I'm not Italian, so <laughs> Yeah. But I definitely love that movie and that was that was the one nitpick I had for it. But mm. number four for me is the last scene in the iron claw and essentially uh one of the brothers has to deal with a lot of tragedy in his life and he starts tearing up at the end of this movie but he has his sons to be there with him and through this movie you kind of see that the lead character zach efron his dad is pounding in this mentality of you have to be tough men don't cry the kind of toxic masculinity stuff that uh a lot of people have heard about and uh zach efron's kids basically tell him it's okay to cry we'll, we'll be here for you and it's a very emotional touching scene and shout out to zach efron the iron claw one of my favorite movies and performances of the year yeah, definitely um, want to see it. It just, uh, it's gonna, I know it's going to be incredibly sad, so I'm just kind of holding it off. <laughs> no, you got you to gotta go see it, get a good cry out, and then go on with your day. <laughs> so my number three scene was the scene you mentioned earlier from Killers of the Flower Moons, the ending, second ending scene where um, Martin Scorsese addresses, pretty much he's addressing the audience directly through the guise of a radio broadcast. And he's kind of, he's telling us what happened to these characters, what happened to these real life people after um, all these events occurred. And he's also kind of saying as a filmmaker himself um, that he's kind of, his role in telling the Native American story is always gonna be kind of flawed really. So I thought that was just really powerful. Yeah, definitely. I really love that scene. It uh, cracked the top 10 for me, too. Uh, as a whole, the movie, I thought at times didn't work for me. I thought it was a little slow at times, but I loved how they wrapped it up. And overall, it was a really solid film. And at number three for me, I think you're going to be surprised by this big. It's one of your favorite movies of the year. A movie yeah. I've been critical of at times. But I think I overall enjoyed. It's Asteroid City. Am I doing it right? Teen. Okay, so this is my number two scene, so I'll just talk about it after you do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was it was excellent. I was looking up scenes on YouTube literally 10 minutes before we started this, and I'm like, I saw this one. I'm like, wow. Yeah, it was really, really good scene where you have people kind of saying, am I doing this performance right? Am I living my life right? It was all this, like, metaphor type of stuff. And it's like, no, no one really knows what they're doing. No one really knows why we're here what's the purpose of life or anything and you kind of just have to live and you have to accept that once you accept we're not going to know everything you're gonna be a lot more happy in your life and i thought it was a really powerful scene and 
I loved it. Rewatching, I'm like, wow, this. I haven't thought about this for a while, but it was really a terrific scene. Yeah. So for me, um, you know, Asteroid City, it's definitely Wes Anderson's one of his most confusing movies. Just a confusing movie in general for the first couple acts, and I think this scene right here kind of just shows that the main point is, you know doesn't matter just you just got to keep going and really i thought that was really strong and really moving and jason schwartzman and adrian brody in that scene were incredible and then um oh i also smuggled in so am i doing it right it goes to so right after he gets done talking to adrian brody he goes and talks to margot robbie on the balcony and so i smuggled those two in together really as kind of one yeah i i counted those two as the same scene as well because I, I looked up on YouTube and it was all con- all considered the same yeah. clip, which there's not many cut or anything. So I can and so when Margot Robbie, when he sees Margot Robbie, he has I think one of the best lines in the movie where he says, "You're the wife that plays my actress," which just kind of shows you how deep into the character he is, and yeah. really just the way they talk, and it's just a great, really powerful, moving scene. So that's why I had it at number two. Yeah, I'm glad you had it on here. I was a little nervous you weren't gonna have it. I'm oh, like, dang. I, this, I, this was this could have been my one, honestly. Yeah, it was fantastic. And going back to my Iron Claw scene, the last scene in the movie, if I could have if I could have finessed it a little bit and added like the last 12, 15 minutes of this film, it might be number one. But mm-hmm. I wanted to make it one scene, so I I, I, I didn't I didn't include it, but I'm just I want I want to give as many shout outs to the Iron Claw as I can. So mm-hmm. at number two for me is the past lives goodbye scene. Man. It was it was wonderful. I haven't seen it since the summer, so I forget slightly what happened. But all I know is watching that. I'm like, wow, very powerful scene really wraps up the story. Well, or maybe it doesn't. It kind of. It wraps up well, but it also gives us this feeling of kind of like unease that they mm-hmm. weren't able to get back together. And then you have the feelings of like you want her, her and her husband to be together, but you also don't want this guy to be lonely and sad. And I thought it was great. And going back to the thing about the husband in this film, mm-hmm. he was like he was like a perfect, not a perfect human being. So there's none of those, but like. He was awesome. Like he was super likable. So it's like, oh, I can't even cheer against this guy and root for our lead character. It, it was, it was great, and I loved how they did this entire film. Yeah. Um, one more thing about past lives is, I was just gonna say it's really, really just a moving movie. And then, as um, just an aside, so you're you're pretend you're the husband, and. Would you would you let her go meet up with that dude at the? Hell oh, no. Would you be cool with it? Because that dude was like way too cool with it. I feel like like you could tell it bothered him, but I was like, at least ask yeah. her not to go or something. Because he runs out after, right, and they meet in the road. Uh, yeah, so he's like waiting for her at like the doorstep after, and he's like, I guess he's watching him from like way down the street. I guess. Maybe it's one of those things though that he's like, you know what? If she really wants to be with him, I don't want to like. Mm-hmm. I don't. I, I want her to choose me because she wants to be with me. Type of deal. It's true. Yeah. And yeah, it was a very very odd situation to be in for sure. But uh, burn number one, I say, 
I think we're. I think I know what you're gonna pick, but I'm not positive. Let's say it at the same time. We okay? definitely have the same movie, right? Oppenheimer. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Ready? Let's do three, two, one. Shout it out. Let's see if we have the same thing. Okay. Three, two, one. The speech. Can you hear the music montage? Oh, this is interesting. Whoa. Whoa. Okay, <laughs> it's a little different. Okay. Let, I'll go first, and I'll let you go second because I know. I know how much you love this film, and I do, of course, also. But I think I think you should end it up for us. So, <laughs> the speech is probably my favorite scene of the year because it shows this inner conflict that Robert J. Oppenheimer has about the bomb and how, it, yes, it ended the war, but it also killed hundreds of thousands of people. And you see in this movie how, or in this scene rather how people start throwing up, faces start melting, and you kind of see Robert coming to the realization that, like, people died from this, and, like, I've, I feel awful in this guilt, but people are also celebrating me, and it's kind of this... It was kind of this internal thing that, like, everyone has to see that, like, this actually isn't a good thing. Mm-hmm. And, and as a whole, it, it maybe helped in certain regards, like, he has ended the war and brought a lot of troops home, but people also died. So like, it, it shouldn't really be that celebrated, you know. And military as a whole, I feel like shouldn't. When we when we win a war or something, it's obviously it's obviously like good for our country if we win a war, but it really shouldn't be celebrated because war is such a dark and horrendous thing. But yeah, I I thought this scene was extremely powerful. Yeah, so that scene, so Oppenheimer, it's pretty, it was incredibly difficult for me to pick one scene from this. Mm-hmm. That scene was up there um, just because just so much stuff going on there, the sound, um, so much stuff with Killian Murphy, the way he's kind of showing his anxiety, really. And um, visually, that scene is super intense. And then you also have the Trinity test, mm-hmm. which is just a massive spectacle and just beautiful when the sound comes in finally and it's insane but my number one scene from oppenheimer and from my favorite movie scene of the year was the can you hear the music um montage at the beginning where um he's meeting with niels Bohr comes to visit his university in europe mm-hmm. and he's like algebra is like sheet music it's like you don't have to read the music can you hear the music and um it just goes into like showing him how he sees the world just visually just super striking stuff the way he sees kind of like the atoms and all the other scientific stuff yeah is is this the scene where they show all like the atoms and the swirling or yeah Yeah. that was very cool they do like the shots of like the museums and stuff and like he's standing at the painting and he's like up in bed like laying awake and stuff I just think that's really powerful stuff, and it really kind of set the tone for the movie, really. Well, it also showed this guy is, like, a tremendous, like, genius. He's a genius, like, how he gets all this really high, like, difficult... Like, see, I can't explain it, because it's too advanced <laughs> for me. But this extremely difficult scientific stuff that just makes sense to him, and it's it was very interesting, but at the same time, there's moments where like mentally he's not doing well. He can't he can't quite deal with all this brilliance he has. He can't go to sleep. He's constantly thinking about how to make this uh physics shit. I don't, I don't know how to explain it, but it was uh yeah, a very good movie. And probably if I have to admit, I would say 
my top three movies, Oppenheimer, The Iron Claw, and The Holdovers. Mm-hmm. You could, I love the Oppenheimer at three, but you can put those movies in any order, in my opinion. And I do think that Oppenheimer is definitely the movie of the year, if you have to pick one. The impact, a lot more people saw it, how big this movie is in terms of historical events. But do you want to go right into our Best Picture nominees, speaking of Oppenheimer? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. So... How many best picture nominees did you come up with? Or I have I have ten, but like either way, it's fine. Do you have ten? Yeah, I have ten. Okay, so well, we just mentioned it. I have Oppenheimer one. Mm-hmm, same, same. Yeah, I I usually would count down to number one, but like I feel like that's the obvious pick right now. Yeah, and yeah, I mean it's I would be sh- I shouldn't say shocked to some award show where people pick. It's very opinion-based, but I think Oppenheimer is definitely kind of the movie right now. So um, one so one question I have for you. When you were coming up with this list, yeah, did you do it off what you thought was going to happen? What was your favorites? What would you what, look, or It's is it what favorite? I thought was going to happen. Okay, so for me, I did a mix of both. So I have what I okay. thought was going to happen mixed in with my personal feelings and stuff. So that's just kind of how I did all the nominations, really. For Okay, I like that. Want to uh, let's do this for best for best picture. Let's just run through real quick, list off our top ten. You start, then I'll do it, and then we'll kind of compare and contrast. Okay, so um, number one, Oppenheimer. Number two, Killers of the Flower Moon. Number three, Across the Spider Verse. Number four, Ooh, past, past Lives. Number five, Asteroid City. Number six, The Holdovers. Number seven, Barbie. Number eight, My Show. Number nine, May December. And number 10, I also, in some of my categories, included movies that I haven't got a chance to see yet. So number 10 for me is American Fiction. Okay. I like it. I like it. I like it. So at number one for me, it's Oppenheimer, of course. Number two, Killers of the Flower Moon. Number three, Poor Things. Number four, The Holdovers. Number five, Barbie. Number six, Past Lives. Number seven, Maestro. Number eight, we have American Fiction. Number nine, Zone of Interest. And number 10, Anatomy of a Fall. So let me let me go through it here real quick. I've seen... I've seen... Eight out of ten of these films. I have not seen Zone of Interest or American Fiction. Um, I have Anatomy of a Fall at number 10. I, I, I hated that shit, I'll be honest. <laughs> I, 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 I found it like it had so much potential. It was about, I don't know if you've heard about it. It's the mm-hmm. blind kid who basically has to, uh, he's the only witness of a potential murder. And it's all about that story. Like, did, did the wife kill her husband or not? And it was just a lot left to be desired. That's all I'll say. But what, what do you have at 10 again? Or, uh, American fiction, so I haven't seen it, but I've heard great things. Okay, same. I, I have it at eight. Did did you have Anatomy of a Fall on your list? Uh, no, I didn't have Anatomy Fall or Zone of Interest. On okay. My yeah, I have them at nine and ten. I would love, love, love if Iron the Iron Claw made it in, mm-hmm. but I just feel like it's gonna be like a couple years ago where Babylon didn't make it in, or was it last year? Two. Is your, oh, maybe it was last year. I think it was last year. Yeah, Babylon didn't make it in, even though it's one of my favorite films. So, 
Oh, and both... I also haven't got a chance to see Poor Things yet, but that's probably going to be up there whenever I see it. Yeah, I saw Poor Things. Um, I'm not going to say how I watched it. Uh, maybe a little... Maybe a little... <laughs> I went to a website and watched it. Was it legal? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but I thought it was just a very weird movie. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it personally, but very odd. And... Um... Did you have four things on your list or no? Uh, no, I didn't have it. So I so I only included one in that category, so I just decided to put American Fiction in there over it. Got you. Um, I didn't have Spider-Verse. That's probably just outside, you know, yep. 11, 12. I almost had May, and De- May December in there. Mm. I just took it out. I just did a little bit of rearranging from last time I looked at this. And have Barbie, of course. Do you have Maestro? Uh, yes, Maestro's at my eight. Um, I think Asteroid City pretty much has no shot, but I just had to throw it in there because I loved it so much. Oh, yeah, I get that. Yeah, I wouldn't mind if it makes it either. But, yeah, I think I think Best Picture, at least as of now, unless we have... You can see Killers in the Fire Moon make a run. Maybe Barbie make a run. But overall, I think Oppenheimer is the sure thing. Yep, I agree. Yeah. Now, you want to move on to Best Director? Uh, Yeah, you can go first with this one. Okay, so at number five, I have Bradley Cooper for Maestro. Number four, Greta Gerwig for Barbie. Number three, Yorgos Lanthimos for Poor Things. Number two, Martin Scorsese for Killers of the Fire Moon. And number one, Christopher Nolan for Oppenheimer. Yeah, so um, number five, I had Greta Gerwig for Barbie. Number four, mm-hmm. Bradley Cooper for Maestro. Number three, Celine Song for Past Lives. Yeah, it's a good one. Um, Martin Scorsese, number one, Christopher Nolan. So it's it's a very stacked category this year, really. Oh, yeah, for sure. If, if this was yeah. a 10 deep category, you could throw in um, just a whole bunch of people. You could throw in who did who, who directed Past Lives or Poor Things again, because I haven't seen it. But Your Ghost Land the most. He'll probably end up in there some way. And then you put in uh, what's the guy Alexander Payne for the holdovers who make him in Napoleon, David Fincher for the killer. Yeah, yeah, really definitely loaded. I, this. I I really like your pick for Celine Song for past lives. Mm-hmm. And you know what I'm gonna do? I'm I'm gonna make a little switch. We'll switch <laughs> out. I'm gonna kick I'm gonna kick Bradley from the chat, oh, and we're gonna put Bradley in Celine Song. <laughs> I hate to do it. I love Bradley Cooper, but. Celine Song, I think that's a better pick. So thank you, Sarabi. <laughs> All right, yeah. but yeah, we ha- we have best director and best picture to Oppenheimer at this point, and I think it's well deserved. I do too. I think this is Christopher Nolan's will be his first Oscar win. I think. Yeah. the The more and more I think about it, it is my favorite Christopher Nolan movie. Yeah, I think it's it, it, it keeps growing on me. This film. Yeah, it's probably mine too. That or The Dark Knight. Which we won't we won't get into today. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, we won't get into it. Today. Okay, <laughs> let's let's go to best actor. So right. you start us off this time. So best actor, I kind of deviated a lot from what I think is going to happen, but okay. Number number one, Killian Murphy. Number two, Jason Schwartzman for Ashford City. Number three, Whoa. yeah, yeah. Number three, Paul Giamatti for Holdovers. Number four, Bradley Cooper for my show. Number five is Adam Driver for Ferrari. That's wild. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I like it, though. I like it, though. So I just made a little switch 
because when I made this, it was a couple weeks ago, and I've seen a few more films. So, number one, Killian Murphy. You said that too, right? Yes. And Oppenheimer's might sweep. <sighs> might sweep most of their categories. Bradley Cooper, number two, for Maestro. Paul Giamatti for The Holdovers. Leonardo DiCaprio for Killers of the Flower Moon. And number five, I just swapped out Jeffrey Wright for Zac Efron. I thought Zac Efron was that special in Iron Claw. And being a pretty popular guy, I think he could definitely get some buzz going into the best actor race. I think he was probably my third favorite performance of the year behind Killian Murphy and Paul Giamatti. Mm -hmm. So I think it would be well-deserved if he gets it. One thing... thing I well two things actually. So the first thing is I've been hearing a lot of stuff about Bradley Cooper and Giamatti for this category. I've been seeing a lot of stuff about maybe one of them taking it home over Killian. Yeah. Which um I'm biased because Oppenheimer's my favorite. But obviously the both of those guys are f- f- phenomenal in their movies. <laughs> and then um the second thing was I kind of hated this year how so we had past lives come out in like the spring. Oppenheimer Barbie in like midsummer and then we kind of had a break until close of the flower moon in October and then there's just a whole bunch of stuff started coming out I really wish it was kind of balanced out throughout the year more for sure because we've definitely had like this last last couple months really like it's basically excuse me October through like January it's just filled with award movies Mm mm-hmm but the rest of the year, you'll get, like, two or three or something. Yeah. It's crazy, because some of these movies, I wish the Oscar movies, these frontrunners, I don't know how it goes with marketing and stuff, but it's really hard to find films, and maybe it's a foreign thing. Like, Anatomy of a Fall, I was finally able to buy it and watch it. American mm-hmm. Fiction, I don't know if it's out in theaters, nowhere near me. It's in, uh, it's in theaters, but, like, super limited, really. Yeah, exactly. Zone of interest. I haven't been able to find that anywhere. So it's, it's a little frustrating, especially because I want to watch that. Um, yeah. Anyways, just a little rant there. Going back to Best Actor, though, you see names like Leonardo DiCaprio at four I have here. I could see him getting nominated or not getting nominated. The thing about the Oscars that I have to respect them for is they don't buy into like popularity as much as like other shows, like the golden globes or smaller shows. Like they typically now, sometimes I disagree with it, but they typically go for who they actually thought had the best performance of the year. So I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for Killian too. I think he was that good. Um, so uh, what's I going to say? Um, I didn't have DiCaprio on my list, but he's, he easily could have been a mine. I just decided to throw in a couple of performances. I liked a bit more. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, and I think it's a pretty stacked stacked group, no matter what. If you have it's a great year for movies, just all around, all these categories. Oh are like... yeah, it was. I I think if you have Killian Murphy, Paul Giamatti, Bradley Cooper, which I do believe all three of them are going to get nominated, that's a pretty that's a pretty solid top three right there. Exactly. Yeah, but let's go to best actress. I want you to go again first because okay, I'm, okay. I'm excited to see what you're going to say. This one is actually pretty pretty tame compared to my last Best Actor category. It's Lily Gladstone at number one for Killers of the Flower Moon. Greta Lee, number two for Past Lives. Um, Carrie Mulligan, number three for Maestro. Number four, Margot Robbie for Barbie. And number five, I hadn't, like I said, I haven't seen Poor Things, but Emma Stone. 
Okay. Interesting. So I'm going to go five through one here. Just okay. Check. I have Carrie Mulligan at five, Margot Robbie at four, Greta Lee at three, number two, Lily Gladstone, and number one, Emma Stone. I think Emma Stone, uh, it's really close with Kelly and Murphy for performance of the year, but she's for sure up there. She was excellent. I watched four things on this on my computer. It was, let's just say, grainy, to say the least, the footage. But, <laughs> man, I felt it the whole way through. Her and Mark Ruffalo were fantastic in this film. And the movie was very odd. So a lot of people aren't going to quite get the movie. And I'm not sure I did in certain parts, but the performances were spectacular. So I can see it going to Lily Gladstone because she was definitely excellent. Her her performance is a little more... Uh, how do you say it? Like like you were saying earlier, a little more tame and yeah, a little more a, like real quiet kind of performance. I feel the same thing about like um, past lives, like the movies. It's kind of a quieter movie, but yes, which still... a lot of times I feel like it's just as difficult to be more calm. And um, she really went. She really played her character greatly. But I personally felt like Emma Stone, who's kind of the opposite side of the spectrum, very wild, really going for it. I thought she was spectacular and maybe my performance of the year. Yeah. So one of the things I I was listening to a podcast the other day and they were talking about how certain performances, how it's hard to do kind of quieter, subdued performance performances. Because as an act, a lot of actors, you know, they want recognition for their work and you know, it's not necessarily guaranteed people are going to be like, wow, that's a great performance without if you're not shouting or yelling in some big scene or anything like yeah. that. Well, there's there's been some things that personally I don't agree with it, but people have been critical of Bradley Cooper because you can definitely tell. Yeah, he's people are critical that he's going for it a little bit too much to try to get the yeah. Oscar. And I, I don't think so. I thought he was good. Was he a little, was, was he very, what's the word, really going for it, pretty big and expressive in his role? Yes. But I thought that worked really well in his uh, character study. I've never met that director or really heard him talk at all, so I, I can't really tell you, but if he was good. If he wasn't in the movie, if some actor played that part, some other actor. I probably would have liked the movie a lot less than I actually did. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And let's go to best supporting actor. Uh, you want to go first this time since I went first last time? Yeah. So I'll just go one through five again. Okay. So number one. Mm, no, <laughs> let's let's do this. Right. All right. I'm going to go five through three. You go five through three. Then we'll go our top two, because I think this is a very interesting race. Number five, I have Ryan Gosling for Barbie. Number four, Charles Melton, May, December. Number three, I have Robert De Niro from Killers of the Flower Moon. OK, so my five through three and just for this whole category, they're all movies I've seen. Um, yep. So me number too. five, Charles Melton, May, December. Number four. Um, I just love this movie, Past Lives. It's Tao U, Tao U, I think is how you say his name. Oh, yeah. Nice. And then number three, I also had De Niro. Okay, very interesting. Now, I'm very curious to see what you go with at two. We'll go two. I, I know one of yours, but I don't know who the other top two guys are. At number to... two, where I'll tell you. Number two, I have Robert Downey Jr. 
Okay, what me about too. You? Me too. I had Robert Downey Jr. number two. Okay. Three. This is interesting. Now, I'm actually now I'm very I think I know where you're going. I think we might have the same guy. Who's your who's your number one? No, you go first. Number one, Dominic Sessa, the holdovers. Whoa, that's crazy. What did you, what did you have? I, I love that pick. I want Mark Ruffalo number one for poor okay, things. Yeah, I haven't seen point things. That's that. Yeah, that's. I, I mean, I would love if Dominic Sessa is nominated. I thought he was brilliant in the holdovers, but I just think the the cast of people here is so stacked. Because you did you have Brian Gosling on your list? I didn't have Gosling. I had him. Yeah. May December last night, and I had to put Melton in there over him. Now, if I was going based off my favorite performances, first of all, all five best supporting actors that I listed, I liked all their performances, but I would probably put in Dominic Sessa and probably swap out Charles Melton, probably, even though I thought he was very good in his role. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's. I would love if Dominic Sessa gets some Oscar buzz. I thought he was great. Yeah, so for me, Giamatti's great in the holdovers and Best Actor nomination, all that. I support all that. But, like, Sessa really is, like, I'm like, this dude is, like, really insane. And, like, he's never been in a movie before that. <laughs> yeah, he was exceptional. He was going, like, they were, like, in a ring boxing. He was going <laughs> blow for blow with uh, Paul Giamatti, who's excellent in this film. You want you want yeah. to talk about the whole rubbers for like thirty seconds while I use the restroom real quick? <laughs> yeah, I'm good with that. I, I can always talk about the holdovers. So, you know, Dominic Sessa, a guy that's kind of unknown in the movie worlds, at least to me and most casual movie movie viewers, he was excellent, and I think he is probably in my honorable mentions right now in terms of what I think the Academy is going to vote for. But if I'm going based off best performance of the year, he's probably at three for me. I still think Robert Downey Jr. was excellent. Obviously, Sessa had some more screen time, so you might give it to him. But yeah, he's he's right up there with some of the best actors in the world in their performances this year. So once Avi gets back, we'll go into best supporting actress. And I'm really excited for the Oscars. I don't know about y'all, but... I think it's going to be a really fun award season this year. We get the nominations in a couple of weeks. I'm pumped. So we got the Golden Globes in a little bit. Okay, Avi's back. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, it's it's all good. I was just telling him about how excited I am for Oscar nominations and to get award season really going. All right. Um. So we just did Best Supporting Actor. So Best Supporting Actress now. Let's see. All right. Um, what do you want to do for this category? Um, let's let's go back and forth. We're gonna we're gonna try every style this award okay. thing. So we'll <laughs> go five, five, four, four. At number five, I have Danielle Brooks. And I didn't list the movie. I believe it's the color purple for her. I haven't seen it though. I haven't seen the color purple, but I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen it. What's five I'm, for you? My number five, um, Julian Moore, Julianne Moore from uh, May December. That's excellent. Um, I didn't have her in here, but that's a good pick. Mm-hmm. Number four, I have Viola Davis for Air as Michael Jordan's mother. I thought she was outstanding. Maybe the performance of that movie along with Matt Damon. Viola Davis is really just strong. And what did you? Oh, Matt Damon. Sorry. Can we go back to Best Supporting Actor for like thirty seconds? Yeah. So, Best Supporting Actor. 
there's so many like people that just aren't gonna make it, like Matt Damon. Well, and... Damon, Damon's gonna be best actor. I feel like I don't know exactly what the cutoff is for stuff and how they do it, but he was clearly the lead in Air. Oh no, I was talking about Oppenheimer. Oh man, yeah. okay. <laughs> so Matt, you have Matt Damon in that. You have Rami Malek for like that big scene at the end. And then you have the, what is his name? He's in Winning Winning Time. Oh, uh, yep. But he's like yep. the lawyer in Oppenheimer. I'm like, so Oppenheimer is so loaded. There's so many guys that are having great performances. Yes, there. I know who you're talking. Jason Clark, I believe. <laughs> yes, thank you. Thank yeah. you. He's, he's like, did you or did you not do it? So. <laughs> well, going back to some of our best scenes of the year, I thought that could have been on there. The ending kind of uh, investigation scene. Also, the thing where Albert Einstein is by the <laughs> pond. Yeah. Uh, there's so many good scenes from that movie. But, yeah. So, let's go back to Best Supporting That's Actress. Who do you have at four? Did you say right now? I think you'll like this one. I don't know. I don't think you'll have this one. But my number four, one of my favorites, not really projected to be there, Vanessa Kirby for Napoleon. Whoa! Yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, that's Joaquin or Napoleon's wife, right? Yep. Yeah. yeah, she was really good in that role. Yeah. I, I like it. I like him for sure. Uh, number three, I have Divine Joy Randolph for The Holdovers. I think she's the early favorite right now to win, and I would love if she wins. I thought she was spectacular. A really, really likable character. Yeah, but I have her at three right now. She's my number two. So my number three is Scarlett Johansson in Asher City. Okay. Uh, she's she's in the movie she's like this big actress or whatever and um her role is kind of quieter but there's a lot of moments that i really just like and she has a line where it's like maybe we're just two deeply wounded people who don't want to confront their own pain and i just thought it was really great and she's really good in that movie yeah definitely i would i would not mind if she gets nominated Mm -hmm. number two i have emily blunt oppenheimer i think we've had a nomination for every category except for Best Actress for Oppenheimer so far. So that shows how good that film was this year. Um, yeah, so like I said, my number two was Devine Joy Randolph for The Holdovers, and my number one oh. is Emily Blunt from Oppenheimer. Nice. Nice. That's very, very good, sir. For me, I'm going to go with Jodie Foster from Niad. It's my number one pick. Now, this is probably best supporting actress is probably the category I'm least sure of. Uh, I haven't seen Nyad. I started the film, but, you know, obviously a very big name in movies. And I will not doubt that her performance will be great. And she definitely has some Oscar buzz going in. Uh, So one best supporting actress, I haven't seen this movie, but... I think you might have watched it on Letterboxd a few days ago. Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. Oh, yeah. That was beautiful. Rachel McAdams, what did you think of her in that movie? Because I haven't seen it yet, but I've heard she's... Oh, she was... You know, if I was making my personal list, I think she would be on there. I thought she was great. And also, the girl that plays the lead in that movie, she was... I don't think she'll be up for Best Actress, because they usually don't give it to younger kids, but she was awesome. Mm-hmm. Really great in that movie. Um, here, ramble about some of your favorite films. I'm also going to go use the bathroom. We can cut it out, see what we need to. 
So um, some other films that I just haven't been able to give a lot of love to, um, just because the nature of the year. Uh, Creed three, I thought, um, you know, one of the scenes is like they have a little Stephen A. Smith kind of first take style cut in, and Donis calls into the show to fight to call out his friend Dame or whatever. And it's really just intense, and I just love that scene so much. Um, the Killer, I don't think it'll get a lot of awards, but it's honestly one of the best movies of the year from just the technical skill filmmaking wise, just the camera shots, the music, um, the way everything is done with a purpose. And it's also a lot of the narr- narration is honestly really funny, just kind of looking back at it. And Michael Fassbender. Um, let's see what else do I have. Wonka, I just saw Wonka a few weeks ago. Um, you know, I didn't know what to expect, kind of musical, kind of scene for kids, but I actually like Wonka a lot, and I think it'll probably end up in my top 15 of the year. Um, Ferrari, um, it's got a lot of mixed reviews, but like I said already, it's I love it. Adam Driver, I think Penelope Cruz is really, she's really strong in this, and um, honestly, I don't know what, ooh, sorry, I don't know what else you would want from a performance, honestly. As I'm thinking about it, I honestly, I would take Penelope Cruz over Julian Moore for Best Supporting Actress. I think the scenes with her and Adam Driver kind of carry the movie until we get to the big race at the end and the big meeting. Then another movie that I really loved, but it's not really going to get any awards talk or anything like that. It's No Hard Feelings. Um, just a good kind of romantic comedy with Jennifer Lawrence and Andrew Feldman. Just some really Sean Cardfeld moments in there. Jennifer Lawrence is one of my favorite actresses working probably. Um, the creator was maybe a top five best looking movie of the year, just based off visuals, but... A lot of the plot stuff is kind of strange. It kind of has a message that says like humans should be friends with AI and grateful for AI. <laughs> really kind of confusing. You're talking about the creator? Yeah. Nice. Oh, you missed you missed it. I sw- I made a best supporting actress swap. Ooh, what did you do? Let's hear it. I swapped out Julian Moore from May December, so I took her out the five spot and I put in Penelope Cruz and Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> she was really good. She was excellent in that movie. Yeah. I like it. I like it, man. <laughs> All right. So, best original screenplay. All right. Um, Let's get to it. One through five or just back and forth? Let's go back and forth again. I like that. Number five, I had Barbie. Number five. One of my kind of just picks because I like the movie. Dream Scenario. Interesting. Nicholas Cage. I haven't seen it yet. Oh, Nicholas Cage. I might have to see it then. <laughs> oh, man. I love it. I think it's one of the best performances by him. Did you see The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent? No, I didn't. I heard it was funny, though. Yeah, it's very funny. He's basically like himself in the. He's an actor, pretty much. I'm pretty sure his name might be Nick Cage in the movie, but it's like him and Pedro Pascal. It's really good. Yeah. I'll have to check that one out. Number four, best original screenplay I had May, December. Yep. Best original for me, Anatomy of a Fall at number four. Number three, I had The Holdovers. 
Number three, I had Past Lives. Number two, I had Ashworth City. Number two, I had Barbie. Number one, I had Past Lives. Number one, I have The Holdovers. Pretty, I love that movie. Pretty similar <laughs> list. <laughs> yeah, I mean, those were, yeah, pretty similar. Our top three Holdovers, or my top three, you also have that. The mm-hmm. Holdovers, Barbie, and Past Lives, I think, are definitely going to be up rewards. And we'll see. I, I want to mind some Asteroid City love. That would, that would be solid. It's not going to happen, but I would love it. <laughs> yeah. So let's go to our last. This is our last category, right? Oh, uh, yeah. That's all I did. Yep. Okay. Best That's- adapted screenplay. Ooh. Let's see. I'm looking at my predictions now. I don't know how I feel about these. Uh, at number five, though, I have Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. Okay. Uh, my number five, so my number four and five are both movies I haven't seen yet, but my number five is Poor Things. Nice. Number four for me is Poor Things. Okay. And then my number four, also I haven't seen American Fiction. Okay. Number three, this is where it gets a little rocky. Number three, I have Oppenheimer. Okay. Okay. My number three is Killers of the Flower Moon. My number two is Killers of the Flower Moon. My number two was Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. My number one, and this is definitely one of the upset picks I had on here. Have not seen this film, American Fiction, for best adapted screenplay. And then my number one is um, Oppenheimer. Yeah, I mean that's that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> yeah, but we will see. And I believe the nominations come out in a few weeks. Late January, I think. So we'll have to do something for that. Yeah. Do a little pod for that. But I gotta see what time they come out. Because if they're at a time we can both meet up, we can maybe do like a live reaction thing, which would be cool. But yeah, that would be cool too. Also, if they're at like 9 a.m. on like a Tuesday or something, that might be a little tough. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, <laughs> I mean that's that's all I got. I think it's been a great year in film. Mm-hmm. I'm Excited for this next year, this next venture. I'm hoping to watch even more movies here. I'm eventually going to have a job, hopefully. But you know what? Maybe we'll go remote. Maybe we'll do a little multitasking. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. But thank you for coming on, sir. I'll wrap the recording. Mm-hmm.